1: I want no something that she does. I think about everyone you need. I hold in these things are real, real now. I have you seen you wanting you. Hey,
0: it's a ratio. Okay
1: though, it's a ratio.
0: Okay though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked.
1: <laughs> you're a phenomenal person. I mean, you're legendary.
0: I am a fan of you, my brother. Talk about that, because that's my favorite thing when MCs get in the pocket. Like, right. how do you
1: do that? Just have just have a sense of timing, where to, where to fall in between the lines. I was blessed with that. Even even if my first be, album wasn't, be a little it wasn't great. Behind the beat, right? You don't want to be on the right on the. If you rap no, on the beat, then you sound it's,
0: robotic. It's corny, yes. right? That's when you do a comedy rap. You rap on the beat, right? KRS talked about this. Like you rap a little behind the beat, and it sounds
1: cool, right? Like how do you do that? Right. Well, you know, um, I, I, I my personal experiences, I would I would I would say it has it has a lot to do with. The time I spent when I started off as a DJ, and um, mm. you know, just list, just listening to music as a whole, you know, listening to funk records, jazz records, where sometimes the, um, the drummer might play a little a little slow or a little off. You know, Jay Dilla picked up on that with his drums. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just having having a good sense of timing
0: diamond d is a legendary hip-hop rapper and producer i remember his album stunts blunts and hip-hop from back in 92 Loved that so when i connected with him i was like yo please come on the show let's talk about this music he's got a new album called the rear view that came out last year it's hot it's diamond d on torre show Your album, Stunts, Blunts, and Hip Hop, meant a lot to me back in the day. And that's why, part of why I wanted to have you come and talk about hip hop and your experiences. But you're a shorty in the Bronx in the 70s. right? So when hip hop culture, we call it rap then. Right. Right. Was right. Just, Wasn't even hip hop yet. Right? Was building people were doing the parties in the parks right. that they talk about. Like you were there. Like what did you see as far as the the beginning rumblings of rap culture in the Bronx?
1: Man, um, you know, I'm I'm from Farvest Projects in the South Bronx, so I couldn't even cross the street yet. I must have been about 10 years old. So this is like 79. Um, but I remember, you know, there was a basketball court, court, and we all called it the Blue Courts, and it was directly behind my building. Fat Joe lived across the street, Law Finesse lived across the street, and we would just go to the basketball courts. Wait a minute, but just, just, what did you call Joe and Finesse at that time? Uh, uh, Joe and Rob. Joe. Okay, so he was always Joe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. okay.
1: Um, <laughs> in fact, Joe's older brother Angel he used to help promote Grandmaster Flash party. He was like he would, like, back then we would pass out flyers okay and stuff like that. So Joe's older brother Angel, he was involved with the Furious 5 on that level. Okay. But get back to your original question. Yeah, I, you know, I would just go downstairs like I said I couldn't I couldn't cross the street. But the basketball court just happened to be beside, um, behind my building and I would see people like Grandmaster Wizard or wow. um Charlie Chase. Wow. Uh, Flash sometimes, you know, um, uh, the L Brothers, which consisted of Theodore, his brother Mean Gene, and the three MCs at the time, which was Kevy Kev, Robbie Robb, and Busy B. See, from
0: what I've gleaned, reading, listening to folks, there was a lot of, like, the DJs were popular. Yeah. So they are going to the park or whatever Mm -hmm. at night. Plugging into the street lamp. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And the DJ was popular, right. but then you'd'd you'd have a mic and people would jump on and rhyme. and you may not ever see that person again. You may not know who that person is, right. right. And like you had to have enough community respect to right. even be able to get a chance to so it would become yeah. almost like, uh, like like in new york we used to have like you know poetry night like anybody right. get up and do a poem right, right. you know right. and the crowd let you know like you killed it you didn't kill it whatever
1: right. so is that kind of how it was you know um maybe at the at the beginning beginning by the time i rolled around um rapper's delight was out okay um so you know it had already been out maybe about uh 5 years but i but to touch on what you said, uh, Grandmaster Flash, he told me stories about when he first started. He only had one MC, and that was Cowboy. Right, and that's how you know, and that's how Cowboy came into the fold. You know, Flash would just leave the mic up, like you said, and you know, whoever thought they could rhyme could come up there. So Cowboy is one of the first, and he became Flash's MC. Um, after that. Um, Kid Creole came into the fold. So Flash had two. He only had two MCs at that time. Um, Melly Mel and Scorpio, they both told me that they were breakdancers. They weren't even rapping first. And they would bug Flash to get on the mic. Well, well, at that time, everybody had at
0: least two elements of of rap in them. (laughs) Yes. You weren't just a rapper or just a DJ. You would also... Right, right on boy. a wall, yes. beatbox, dance, right. everybody, and a lot of people, maybe not even famous people, would do all four, and that would be your day, that you go write, right. and then you go
1: dance, and then you rap a little, and you DJ right. a little, that, that's your life. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I didn't even know uh, Melly and Scorpio were break dancers until they told me, you know, and Mel said his brother Kid Creole would always be like, nah, you know, you don't you're not going to be an MC, you know. His brother was to- totally against it, and um, Melly Mel told me that Flash let him get on the mic one one day, and you know he he, he ripped it, and um, he dragged he, no not dragged but he brought Scorpio along with him, you know. And Scorpio Scorpio and Melly Mel they lived across the street from Forest Projects, so it's a lot of history where I come from. Yes, yeah. zip code 10456. A lot of history with hip hop, right there. When did you start thinking about maybe I, you know, I could I could be in this, I could do this? Man, it had to be about. I think my mom bought me some equipment, you know, mismatched turntables or whatever. Probably about eighty one. Okay, but I don't. But you know, I'm, I'm in my about bedroom. Thirteen, right? Okay, so I'm in my bedroom. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not outside doing parties and none of that. It was just, it was a hobby, you know, but, you know, I was, I used to go to the jams as a kid and I was, I was um, perplexed at all of these, what they call breakbeats. All of these different albums with just these little drum parts that the DJs would cut back and forth. So I was like, you were fascinated by
0: the, by the instrumentals. Hmm? You were fascinated by the instrumentals. By by the breakbeats. Okay. The, these, okay. Are,
1: these, are the, these are the records that had drum beats on them, and the DJ would go from one turntable to another and just keep the, keep the beat going.
0: right, 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 right.
1: Um, but the break beats,, you know, they came from rock, disco, Yeah, you no know, soul.
0: James funk. Brown.
1: Right, Yeah James Brown. that's just one element, yeah. Um, but um, you know there, there's, there's a hip-hop anthem called The Mexican. The Mexican was the Mexican is a rock record. The, the, the group is called Babe Ruth. Um, That's just one example. There's many examples of disco records that became hip-hop records. Hell, yeah. You know,
0: so— I mean, we could, like, grab anything and loop it up
1: and make it hip-hop. As long as it's funky. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, so there's a misconception that hip-hop breaks were only funk and soul records. No, 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 no. It was pulled from all different genres. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, and um, I was just transfixed on that. I, I, I was like breakbeat crazy. Okay, I, I would go to my relatives' house and go through their records to see if I could find any drum parts, and um, that's how I started with me. You know, I wasn't I wasn't rhyming yet. I was just a DJ, but my whole world revolved around finding these fucking records. With these little So you're already parts. thinking
0: like a producer, right? Because a DJ would, would uh, uh, a pure DJ would look at it differently, right? Like, how do I rock a party? How do I get from one record to another? Yes. You're looking for what can I grab that I can loop and make into a song. Not yet. But and you're I, on that path of like, I'm where's the breakbeat? Yeah, like, hey, that's the are, producer there, thinking.
1: There are no samplers. But right. I will say this to Arane, it's the fact, most. Most well-known and great producers, we all started off as DJs. Yes. You know, um, Dr. Dre. The Premier. Um, Timberland, Premier. Yeah. You know, I can go on and on. Mark Ronson. Yes, 45 King. Yeah, Prince Paul, Marley Mar. Um Hank Shockley, went the other way. Hank Shockley, <laughs> yes. So um, DJing gave you the skill for timing and blending. And the relationship with the audience, you see exactly what part of the
0: record makes them. Makes them get hype.
1: Yes. Right. And that, and how, how does that carry over to, to producing is in producing, you know, turntables, but you're layering sounds. Yes, So it's like you're mixing, but without turntables, now you're just layering the sounds. So that's the correlation between early, early, early hip hop production and DJing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah man you know those, those, those were some good times
0: you feel you've been through many eras of hip-hop like when I think about the sound of the 80s right it's very Marley Mall yes. right yes. Echoey, almost like evoking like you're in those clubs or dance halls yes. where they were doing it yes after him let's say you get into the 90s it's a cleaner crisper. Right. Sound yes. right which is part of why Wu-Tang stands out because it's so raw right. and looks sounds like they didn't know what they were doing and they made it in their bedroom even right. though they didn't. Right. Um but it's 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 a very it becomes a very clean so it just how do you just talk about how you see the sound has developed throughout the period you've been closely paying attention?
1: Um well Let's start with Run-DMC, right? Run-DMC came on the scene what made them special was they stripped, the, they stripped the sound down Rick Rubin. to the beatbox. Yes. Prior to Run DMC, it was the Sugar Hill era where they had live musicians. And Sugar Hill was very rapping over disco. Running them were rapping over rock. Right. And that's another example of the correlation between hip-hop and disco. Good Times by Chic yes. is a disco record. Absolutely. But that's one of the foundations of hip-hop. Absolutely, the MC's rapping. In fact, it's rappers' delight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so it went from live, it went from live bands to run DMC sound, where they stripped it down to the beatbox. You know, then Mantronic touched on that. <laughs> <laughs> then here comes Marley Maher. Now, Mar, now, now, when Marley comes around, they're samplers. Right. So when Marley, when Marley Mar made the bridge, what made the bridge <laughs> so special was. It sounded like a park jam. Yes. Because he took that break, impeached the president, and he sampled the kick and the snare and the hi hat, and it just gave it a rawness of an early park jam. Yes. So that ushered in the sample era. And of course, MC Shan, he did his thing on there, you know, and then now this is the SB 12 era. Okay, so that's Marley Marr. But then now here comes the bomb squad and public enemy. And they had this great big wall of sound. Oh my god! But now they're pulling from everything. They're pulling from rock, um, jazz. Meters, you know, James Brown, um, Malcolm X. You know, whatever, Funkadelic.
0: Everything. Uh, you could listen to those Public Enemy records, yes, every day for a year,
1: mm-hmm. and pick up some little.
0: Oh, I never heard that sound right. in that
1: part of the song. Right. That's right. And you know, a good example of that is um, "Fight the Power." Yes. Whenever I hear "Fight the Power," I, I just hear little, little things like you said. People might even might not even no, notice it, but there's so many elements in that song "Fight the Power." I was a huge Bomb Squad fan. I love Pink Shockley, Eric Sadler. Uh, his I, brother I, Keith.
0: I loved the Bomb Squad so much that because I was a New York snob, okay. right? Okay didn't really wasn't really fucking with the west coast that hard okay but yeah, then right. when they got with cube yeah i was like yo right that was a- so they made me like and like and then i went back and i was like okay you know it's about I, the bomb
1: squad yeah
0: but that yeah. went back on on cube and like he's a, he's a right. legend right from day 1 mm mm-hmm. But I wasn't really messing with him until he got with the Bomb Squad on his right. solo album, and now it's yes. like,
1: "Yo, this is incredible!" Right, right. But but check this out, T. To touch on that, um, and even Dr. Dre told me this when I when I, I was sitting in Dre's house and we was talking, and I said, "Dre, you had to be a big, no, you not. I don't know if I use the word big, but I said you had to be a fan of the Bomb Squad." Yeah, because when I listen to niggas, when I when I listen to the album Niggas for Life,
0: yeah,
1: it sounds like a Bomb Squad of production. Of course, he said, Diamond, I love the Bomb Squad. In fact, whenever he said, whenever they would release an album, I would be one of the first to hit Tower Records and pick it up. Hell yeah! So without 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 me even asking Dre, I kind of knew that. And then when I spoke to him, he confirmed it. The Bomb Squad—they revolutionized everything. You know and like but your, I said if you
0: your music has been a little jazzier yeah,
1: right
0: is it's, it's that real hip hop right? right but you love a horn right, right. which right. you know which we've seen other people like Tribe called Quest right. do like we right. love that 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 horny That's my hip.
1: era I came up in.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah
1: yeah yeah. So uh, like where does that come from in your experience? Um I can't really pinpoint it, but I will say um, I was mainly influenced by the Bomb Squad and the first albums from Daylight, Three Feet High and Rising. These guys are sampling Steely Dan and Led Zeppelin and Johnny Cash. You know, the title track, um, Three is the Magic Number. Yeah. Got Johnny Cash in there. You got Led Zeppelin got the fucking um Bob Duro he made the schoolhouse <laughs> rock album they pulling from all of these shits but the shit sound is so fucking so amazing. amazing
0: so amazing
1: you know what i mean so
0: they I, definitely expanded prince paul and um, yes.
1: expanded our vision of like what what could, what could be hip
0: like right holy shit.
1: because up until then everybody was james browned out yeah 88 you know from the bomb squad everybody's james browned out yeah you know, and then here comes Daylight, and then Here Comes Trial Core Quest, yes. and the Jungle Brothers, you know, who kind of carried on with that with that that tradition with just sampling from different elements, but still making it funky and raw. So um my first album, Studs Plus and Hip Hop, is just basically an extension of that. You know, I was you know, I pulled from different genres also.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When you rap on that one, because you, you've right. been talking to as a producer, right? Because yes. you're rapping on that, like, right in the pocket, right? right. As, and, like, some producers, you're like, okay, he's the producer. Right. It's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dre's not a great rapper, but he made the song, so we'll ride with it. You don't have to agree with that because okay. he's your friend. All right. <laughs> I, but I was staying yeah. strong on He's not a good rapper, but we All accept right. it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Pete Rock raps in his own way, which right. is kind of interesting because his right. approach to the rhymes is interesting. But, right. you know, he's like, that's why we let yeah. CL do that. But you're like a just a, a rapper. Just right.
1: like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, oh, he just right.
0: produced a joint. Like
1: and nobody, and, and nobody wrote no rhymes for me. You wrote for yourself. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I've never had a ghostwriter. You know, I was um, being around Lord Finesse. And at the time, I was producing brand new Punks jump up to get beat down. So I'm around all these dope MCs. And, you know, being the DJ, I knew the pocket.
0: Talk about that, because that's my favorite thing when MCs get in the pocket. Like, right. how do you do that?
1: Um, just, have, just have a sense of timing. Where to, where to fall in between the lines. Um, I was blessed with that. Even even if my be, first album but you wasn't, it was a little it wasn't Behind great. the beat, right? You don't want to be on the right
0: on the. If you rap no, on the beat, then you sound robotic. It's corny, yes. right? That's when you do comedy rap. You rap on the beat, right? KRS talked about this. With the, like you rap a little behind
1: the beat, and it sounds cool, right? Like how do you do that? Right. Well, you know, um, like I, I, my personal experiences, I would, I would, I would say it has it has a lot to do with. The time I spent when I started off as a DJ. And, um, mm. you know, just, list, just listening to music as a whole. You know, listening to funk records, jazz records, where sometimes um, the drummer might play a little, a little slow or a little off. You know, Jay Diller picked up on that with his drums. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just having, having a good sense of timing. And I, I incorporated that whenever I rhymed.
0: Talk about your new album, The Rear View. Yeah. You said stunts, blunts, and hip-hop was 30 years ago?
1: Crazy. So you've been... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, wow. Crazy. Everybody going on 30, 30th anniversary tour. Myself, uh, Jungle Brothers, Beat Nuts, Tribe, Pete Rock, the CL, you know, this uh, Naughty by Nature. <sighs> we on our 30th right now.
0: I love every part of that. Yeah. Um, where are you now as an MC and a producer? Like, how has your philosophies and opinions
1: on how it should be done changed over the 30 years? Well, I can give a long answer, but the short answer would be: anybody who fucks with me or follows me, listen to listen to my rhymes and what I was doing on Stunts Blunts to my rhymes and what I'm doing on the rear view. It's, um, it's like night and day. It's like night and day. Um, Obviously, if you've been doing something as long as I have, you should be better. Yeah. You know, and um, lyrically, I'm better. Uh, my metaphors, you know, when I first started, when I first started out, I, I was just happy to be there. You know, and, and it shows. You know, Stun Blunt is, is basically a happy album. That's not to say the rear view is... Uh, a mean or aggressive album, but yours, But you were just in a just, different
0: space. You were just happy to be there, right? With your first album, MC. right? Now you're. So now, what's the feeling?
1: Now I'm just certifying my my claim as one of the best, if not the best, producer who rhymes, who writes his own rhymes. There are producers who rap, who have had ghostwriters, and who have sold records more records than me. And that's cool, because at the end of the day, it's a business. So if you have somebody on your team, and their pen game is better than yours, by all means, do so. But for the rap purists, for the hip hop purists in the culture, if you don't write your own rhymes, you can, can't just call you can't call yourself an MC. That's just how it is. <laughs> That's just how it you is. You think not writing is disqualifying completely? I'm sure, because I, when hip-hop started out, you wrote your own rhymes. No, of course. I've, somebody, so, some, I, so, I, I, I can't have somebody write my rhymes. They, they haven't lived my life. I, I mean, you know,
0: it's hard, to, it's hard to argue because I can't think of somebody who is a great rhyme sayer who supposedly doesn't write their own
1: shit. Right, I mean, hey, they I mean, out there. I mean you know I them think, we ain't got to well, name. Well, them. well, I
0: mean, I, I mean, well, we could name him. I think Kanye is probably the best rapper who doesn't write his own shit. Who? Kanye. Okay, probably the best, as
1: because I right. think he's, but, but, he, but he, he, he writes too. He writes he just, he clearly he just buys has he, he's had you know he's had a, you know, a, he, he's had a, a ghost writer or two yeah or more than more than a couple Well, but well whatever. But honestly, but, I don't think, I don't think it's a terrible
0: no st- I don't think it's a terrible mark on your I guess I don't I don't know that well, I believe that's why I said for the hip hop purists no I'm I'm a hip hop purist okay. I'm just I, I'm trying to grapple with do I completely I mean I I keep coming back to there's it doesn't matter because nobody does it so well. Like if I said, if you said to me like, you know, uh, let's just just say a name. You know, Nas don't write all that shit. Okay. I'd be like, but he's still one of the greatest of all time.
1: Right. Like
0: without question. But there's no case like that. Uh, Andre, Black Thought, Jay, like they write their own shit. Correct. Like Like Kendrick. <laughs> they write their own. Right. So I mean, like, it, you know, I don't think of Kanye as like a top 15 MC. He's not that good.
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> he don't want to speak on it wait right. who's your top who's your top five rappers my top five mcs yeah i mean it's changed from day to day i of mean course. I, I would put black thought in there yes um i would put you no know, jay-z in there yes um i would put big pun in there Ooh. today i would put cool rap in there okay okay you know um Fifth, it, you know, one day could be Nas, other day could be the other day could be, okay. be KRS One. Yeah, you know, my top five it fluctuates. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Um, it's hard to pick five. Also, I think that you should break it down by decade.
0: mm, mm interesting, decade interesting. Because they, you know, the decades are different. The decades, the, the, yes. the whole thing is different.
1: Yeah, and that would be more more realistic. You just can't name five. It is, you know, it is hard to compare
0: eras. Because Rakim, for example, incredible MC. Yes, His career is very short compared to Jay and Nas. Correct. Because in the eighties, you didn't have a long career. Right. You didn't make a ton of albums. Also,
1: also, you got to judge it by the influence. Yeah. Remember every. Remember the, the amount there, of influence. There's, there's people rapping before Rakim. Yeah. And then there's people rapping oh, after oh, Rakim.
0: He, he is absolutely. The person who turns the chapter and creates, this is the modern form of rapping. Right. A hundred percent. No one has more influence than him. Right. But then I will think about like, okay, how many dope albums do you have? Right. And he doesn't. Right. Because that's not what you did. So to your point of like, we really should break it out by decade in terms of what you did in the 80s. He's the king. Yeah. How do you compare... And OG rap also, and Kane. Absolutely. Right. How do you compare their careers, which are relatively shorter, to <coughs> J, Nas, 3K, you know, Black Thought? Like, their careers are longer because that's what right. you do now.
1: Okay, well, well if you want to use that barometer... Uh, Biggie only had two albums and a bunch of remixes a bunch of collabs it's a relatively short and, career yes and but it's he's, incredible he's heralded as one of the best ever he is okay he is so um, he is it,
0: it's it's tricky with the big and a rock him when the careers are short for whatever reason right. that doesn't mean I don't downgrade them no not at all but I gotta say like damn Kendrick made what four five incredible albums like mm. the, the, does that, that doesn't rate Right, I think that means a lot.
1: Well, it's also content. You know, maybe some of the people who were into Rakim and Biggie and Nas might not be into Kendrick. You know, those three rappers were more street.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Kendrick Kendrick is street, street, but it's just an an intelligent level. Yeah. That's not to say that those three aren't. No, no. no. It's just you know I know how fans are. Yeah. You know, there's people who will never like Black Thought. because he don't rhyme the street shit. Yeah, they're close-minded to me. He comes from that though. He but is, he's that. Yo, I mean, he's the he, he's that dude. He's real. But there are some elements of the street who like that street, who like the street gangster shit, who just will not go to a Black Thought show. So wait, so so does not take away from him? So you
0: grow up with that show, right? When these first, when did he start working on the street and selling? Approximately. I think
1: Joe started hustling maybe like um, 80, 86, 87, 88. So what's that? R- teens? R- teenager? Yeah, yeah, no, the Rakim era.
0: Okay. when he's you know, a te- But when Joe's a teenager. Yes. Yes. Teenager. You know, Joe had
1: the Dapper Dan shit back then. You look at Law Finesse's first video, Strictly for the Ladies. So he was a big deal on the street. Oh, locally. Yeah. Yeah. As far as he, the he, yeah, he Yeah. De- de- people definitely heard about Joe. Him and his man Tony Montana, rest you know, rest in peace. I remember when Joe approached me on a uh, corner, one sixty fifth and Trinity. He said, "Yo, D, you know, I want to rhyme," and and you I'd had d- been knowing him forever. Well, yeah, well, we grew up together. Me yeah. and Joe used to, we, we used to we used to do graffiti together. Okay, before he started hustling. Okay, so I knew him from that. Uh, we would go bombing like in the neighborhood. You know, um, what was your tag? Z Rock. Okay, uh, and um. <laughs> So there sure. you go. There you go. Did you be, did you dance?
0: Did you be boy? I electric boogie. So there you go. You did all me and Joe
1: you, Electric Book. You did yeah. all four elements. Right.
0: It's part of your life. There I think you go. Any,
1: anyone in their late forties, mm. early fifties, you, you at some point you did. You, you had to have done more than one element. Oh, because we we all started off dancing in the street. I mean,
0: Rakim told me he that all four elements were a normal part of yep. his day. Nas said Rakim the same was thing. DJ, or DJ,
1: what kid was oh, it? Yeah, 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 kid Wiz, yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. No, I mean, um, so. he, and he he's still DJ. Um, you know, KRS, same thing, same. G- thing. So so so
1: so Joe says, I want to rap. I want
0: to rap. Were so you said, like,
1: what? It, it threw me off, but I believed it because he was into hip-hop. Okay. You know, a lot of dudes who hustled, you know, they still lived in the hood and they still rode around listening to hip-hop. So back then, there was a studio we used to go to called K-Rock Studios in the Bronx. And back then, the session might have been like $30 an hour. <sighs> so I told Joe, listen— you, if you pay for your studio sessions, I'll do the music for you. Don't even worry about it. And out of those sessions um, came the Red Alert promos. That's how Joe got his exposure. Red, you know, he, he he would do these promos for Red Alert and his radio show. And one of the promos was the Beat the Flow, Joe. And that's how the whole thing came about. Chris Lighty was managing me Ooh. at the time. So I plugged him into Fat Joe, and Chris Lighty signed Fat Joe to his imprint deal. He had an imprint deal with Relativity, and that's the start of Fat Joe's music career. Chris Lighty was a man. Yes. Rest um, in peace. Rest in
0: peace. Um, you produced one of the great records of that period, Punk Shop Up to Get Beat Down. Thank you, Brand sir. Brand newbie. Thank you. And that, was, that record was fire. Right. That year, any year. Talk about making that record with them. Because they were they were already on fire. Right. But Before that
1: record. The hip-hop community, about 80%, thought that without Pooba, they'd be
0: dead. Mm, yes, because Poobah was the rap star right.
1: of and, the group. Right. He's the one that put them on. Right. But...
0: So he po- had hold on, hold on. solo. P- hold on.
1: Prior to Punk's Jump Up... This came from Lord Jamar's voice. Now, this, this is Lord Jamar talking to me. <laughs> on Stunt Pussy Hip Hop, I had a song called Day in the Life. Just a day in the life of three black men, right. which featured Lord Jamar and Sadat X. Right. Pooba's not on you. So that gave them a little courage. When I did Punk's Jump Wait, Up and are get, you, Are you saying that they needed that boost to know themselves that they could do it without Poobah? Somewhat. Now, everybody wants to prove to themselves they can do it. Uh-huh. Everybody. When we did Punk's Jump Up, that led to that led to them getting the... Um, well, I'm not going to say it led to them because they already had an album deal, but that kind of cemented that we can do this without Ba if we have to. Because Bah's not on Punk's Jump Up to get beat down. Right. And it still did what it did. Right. But Jamal definitely said that those two songs specifically... Gave them a little push that you know if if we got to do it without Pool, by even though we'd rather not, but if we got to, we can still move on.
0: The the just the beat itself is <laughs> fire, yeah. and there's there's like an alarm in it that like mm-hmm. you know what I mean that yeah, would right. that that I think would propel because I was in the clubs at that point. Sure, <laughs> not anymore. But right. I was, <laughs> and, and it would it would sort oh. of propel you. It was something in it that was sort of like sonic adrenaline. Yes. yes, yes. Come on. Yeah. yeah." Right.
1: What was that? I mean, just everything, you know, I think those Rocky horns. Yeah. (laughs) I took the first three notes. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? I did not know. Sure. You didn't know Rocky. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) And like,
0: I didn't know, but I did know. Right? Like, some part of me heard it and made the connection, even though, <laughs> right? Like, I couldn't name it. Right. But, like, because you get amped and you hear that Rocky horn. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And
1: you, you took a piece of that. Oh, First three shit. notes. Bam, 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 bam.
0: Oh, four four notes. Now, do you, are you sort of a producer who's coaching the vocalist, or you just let them rock? Like, are you, because Sadat? Depend,
1: the, it depends on the artist. Right. I didn't coach the Nubians. Right. I laid the beat. They went in and did what they did. And um, that was it. I didn't coach them, but some artists, I I, w- I will I will give my input. Joe needs more help, right? Um, I never really coached Joe either. Really? No. Because he developed a lot from the first album to the artist that he's become. Sure, we right? all have. But yeah, people say that you know, and like I said earlier, outside, um, when Joe got around pun, it made him step his game up. Yes. But that goes for any MC. If you're around somebody who, who, who's a little nicer than you, because, you know, we're all competitive. Yes. You know, so they're going to push you. You know, the same way Laura Finesse pushed me, the same way AG pushed me, the same way being around Grand Poobah when I was on Strong City Records pushed me. Poobah was in a group called The Masters of Ceremonies. Yes. They had a song called Sexy with Don Baron. And I was in a group called The Ultimate Force, but my point is when, when when you're around nice people you get nicer well what do you what is you what do you see
0: as the commonalities of the great great mcs you worked with KRS Buster you talk about Poobah, right. um, you know uh Buster most deaf not to leave anybody out but like right. you work with with Elite level historical people. Right. So, what
1: do you? What are some of the commonalities of the elite MCs? Um, a certain confidence, you know, a certain belief in themselves, um, flows, delivery, cadence, um, and you know, and, and and all those and all of those artists you named, you know, that they're, they're all students of the game, also. Um, but, you know, I didn't have to coach any of those artists you just named, any um, of them. And you work with KRS
0: a lot. Yes. He, he's in, he's in a crazy person. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Chris Chris is that guy, definitely. What he did he do? All would, around. Talk about
0: working with him.
1: Oh, man. Um, I first worked with Chris on his album, I believe it's called I Got Next. Either I Got Next or KRS One,
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> or maybe both of them this is like, maybe like 97, 98. Uh, yeah. And, um, and, and, and we recorded in unique studios right around the corner from here. Never forget that. Um, the engineer was commissioner Gordon. Ooh. He went on to do, he went on to do great things. Yeah, But, um, it was just a matter of time before me and Chris hooked up. Cause you know, he's from the South Bronx. I'm from the South yeah. Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we would always talk about it. And then we finally made it happen. And, um, you know, one of my one of my best one of my well, my favorite song I did with Chris is called Build Build Your Skills. Uh-huh. And um Busters on that track at the beginning. I think all in all, I might have produced about three or four tracks on K R S one, but Build Your Skills is the is the one that stands up. And it's also one called Let Me Tell You What I Know, which wasn't released, it was leaked somehow, but those two are my standout. Tracks so I did on chaos. I mean,
0: if, if we were to think about these people, these MCs as athletes, Busta Rhymes would be like, yo, he's like Vince Carter. Like he's sure. like a different <laughs> level of, of athlete right. from everybody else. The sound of the voice, the speed of the, <coughs> the of the mouth, all these sort of things, mm-hmm. like you know, the the tonality and the melody. I mean, he's yes. one of the most
1: extraordinary MCs ever. Correct. And uh, me and Bus, you know me and Bus, we go back to when I when I did the remix for Leaders of the new School. Mm. I remixed a song called Classic Material.. Mm. And then a few years later, we both were on violator management. So you know it was it, you know it just meshed. It just meshed. I miss remix culture. yeah.
0: it used to be if you made a hit, there would be a, here we going we're gonna play with the song. Add some guests, yes. add new verses. It's kind of the same song, but it's kind of a new song. Right.
1: This is back when you would buy a 12 inch, like you said, it'll be, be the album version, right. the remix, the acapella. Right. You, what, know. you know,
0: what happened? It, and it was almost like a movie. Like, yeah. oh, you like that? Oh, you're part two. Right. Or, you know,
1: a sequel to. Right. What, it, I don't know what happened. It's like the game kind of got away from the remix. You know, but that's, I never thought about that until you said it.
0: What does eating healthy mean to you? From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I miss also mixtape culture.
1: Yeah. Shouts out to Kid Capri.
0: Yes. People would do things on mixtapes that they would try new styles, say different rhymes. That's iller or whatever than what they were saying on their own. Uh, and like, I was like, right. yo, you got to get the new mix to either mm-hmm. Ron G. Right. Right. Would have, you know, a new ver- Busta verse, a new yeah. Jadakiss verse, yep. whatever. That Tony like- Touch. <sighs> yes. You know, can't forget Doo Wop. Yeah. Oh, Doo Wop's tapes yeah. were crazy.
1: I missed that. That was an important part of hip hop culture that just yeah. sort of like went away. I don't know, T, but you know, I, I never really... Thought about it until you just said it, and that, that, that's that's so true. I would say maybe the last great mixtape era, what might have been 50 Cent, and what and what he was doing prior to getting signed by Eminem. I mean, he dropped four whole
0: albums right on the street, like Crazy. Just drunk. like, and it, it
1: it led to Eminem signing him.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. He had, I mean, he understood that. Like, he had a huge, he created a huge buzz. Yes. By putting out a ton of material right. um, at a time when nobody knew. And he knew, I mean, he knew from the beginning the power of beef. Yes. Right? The first time you heard of him was. was How to rob. How a rob. Right, were you talking about how he? How this record is so great? How he would rob each Different. individual who was a star in right. industry relative to who they were right. and what fit with their brand. Uh-huh. It was so funny. Yeah, that's and right. it made so many people mad. Yeah. And it was like the perfect like, "Hello, I'm in the game." I'm here. Yeah, definitely. What you gonna do? I'll say whatever. What are you gonna do? Right. <laughs> crazy. New York hip hop has changed a lot too, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. We used to be I think we, the, we had our own sound. We had our own sound. We had we were the dominant uh force right. in hip hop. I don't think that's true anymore.
1: Uh, what do you uh, think? Well, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. You what is you, you're hundred percent right. What do you what has happened? Um, I'm not saying we're whack. Well, we got I, a lot of hot well, MCs well, coming like, out of New York. Like any but, genre of music, hip hop expanded. It, it expanded. Yeah you know and you know new york you know we we were snobs yeah. we hated on everybody i yeah. was know, the biggest snob you know yeah you know and you know we hated on the south oh we hated oh, on the
0: west oh they run so on the slow west. wait wait
1: let, let me finish but i tell my friends in the south new york hate on new york fuck them niggas in harlem <laughs> fuck them niggas in queens <laughs> Fuck them niggas in Brooklyn. Fuck them niggas in the Bronx.
0: Hell yeah, Staten That's just Island. That's New
1: York. Fuck Staten Island. Yeah, Long Island. Oh, where they got is the that? Watch. Fuck you. You asked the four C's. <laughs> they had to get on the ferry boat, come all the way to Harlem World to get some respect Hell
0: back yeah. then. Hell yeah. So my point but, but is. But you're right, you're right. It was, I, I was definitely like, yo, the South, they rhyme too slow on board. <laughs> the okay. West, right. they rhyme too slow
1: on board. <laughs> that was the worst. But when when both of those regions got to carry the ball, they oh. turned the mirror on New York. Oh, yeah. Now, fuck
0: y'all. Well, I, if My eyes got open when people were like, yo, you know this West Coast rapper that you look down on got double platinum, right? Mm. And you know this Southern rapper that you ain't fucking with got triple platinum, right? And mm. I'm like, my guys are gold, and these guys are double and triple. What are they doing? And right. Puffy changed that, right? right? But like- it was a good minute. It was like, damn, they sell it. Like, what am I doing? You know, but we, we all yeah. let open our ears up.
1: Right. And, you know, me, I was always open-minded. You know, I'm one of the first East Coast producers to work with West Coast Acts, The Alcoholics, Exhibit, House of Pain, Cypress Hills, Far Farside. When OutKast first started out, I remixed Southern Player Ooh, that record! Was you know what insane. I mean. So I was, you know, I, I was always open minded. What led to you being
0: open minded enough to check for the West Coast when a lot of people like me around New York were like,
1: "Yeah." Right. Well, all all the artists that I named reached out to me. Okay, you know what I mean. And you know, it made you know, and it made me like say, "Okay, wow." You know what I mean? You know, so um, it definitely helped my career. To have all of those, all of those names I just named on the West Coast and Outcast, um, Illegal, okay. the little kids, me and Eric Sermon did them. They were down in Atlanta also with at Dallas Austin. Yo, Eric Sermon. Uh, yes, hey. you know what
0: I mean. So, <laughs> hey. Yo Exhibit had a really uh, interesting instrument in terms of his voice. Yes, his voice is really unique and special. Yeah. And deep. And
1: I, and I left out. Did, did, did I name Exhibit? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. Because he, no, I, I did him too. And that, because Exhibit, he was down with the liquids. So clear. if, if when I, he first came out, he was down with the liquids. If I'm Exhibit or whoever, yeah. and I call you, yo,
0: I need a record. Right. Do you just say, well, I've been producing beats. Here's what I've been working on. No. Or do you say, what do you want to do? Who are you?
1: And then I'm going to make something for you. Right. Um, when Exhibit reached out to me, I, you know, I flew out to L.A., and Like I said, I was always I was already working with the alcoholics. So everything is custom, right? I um I produced a song called Bird's Eye View on, on Exhibit's first album, and I went out there. We went in the studio. You know, I played him a couple of records that I had ideas with some samples on them, and um we just we just made it happen. You know, everything was quick. You know, an exhibit he's real he's real quick in the studio. You know, maybe how one long does one, it take one or to, two takes. How, I see. how long does it take you to make a beat? Um, a few hours. I don't know, three or four hours. Three or four hours from, from nothing. From nothing. Right. So what so
0: you said you would make a beat, a new beat for me. Right. So I, yeah. So what would you what what do you like would you think about who I am as an MC? Are you asking me questions? Like what what would you do? Well,
1: um I would say let, let me hear let me hear what you got for the album so far. Okay. Just so I can see the direction. Okay you know what I mean and then I'll ask them do you want me to try to fit what you're doing or or do you want me to give you the diamond D sound on the east coast and so exhibit- i so
0: so so you're so flexible i could give you my thing right. or i could fit into your thing
1: right you know um i never i never tried to force myself on anybody i worked with it was always organic Um, I never was the type to go like, yo, here's the beat and that's that. You can't work like that with people. Right. You know, people got egos and it's just a sensitivity thing. You should always consider what the artist, the artist's direction, because their direction might not be your direction. So communication is very important as a producer.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so you're saying, what have you done already? Right. Can I hear it? Can I hear it? Right. And and what what else are you thinking about? What I've done in the past?
1: Are You thinking about the marketplace? Like, right. well, no. The flip side is, to, if if they're reaching out to me, they already like what I'm doing. Right. But your vision of them. Right.
0: Of me. Okay. Right. Like you're gonna say. So you've been doing gangster
1: records in the past. We're right. still doing that. We switching it up. <coughs> like, yeah. I, I would I would ask those questions. But if they play me the, if they play me a the song they have so far. That'll answer a lot of questions that I have. Okay. You know
0: what I mean? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, then you see. Who are the producers? Because we talk about your top five MCs. Who are your top five producers?
1: Then or now? Now. Wow, now. Uh, All time. Man. All time. (laughs) You're going to put me on the spot. All right. It's hard to pick five, but. Yes, it is. And and, and just like MCs, my top five, it changes from day to day. Fair. Today, I would say. Of course, Dr. Dre. I was I would put Battle Cat in there. People were surprised. Wow. I would put Battle Cat in there. I would put Knots in there. Um there's two more, two more slots left. Oh man. Shh. Uh I said Dre, Battle Cat, Knots. Knots. I would put Jay Diller in there. Okay just for what he did while he was here and five would either be I'll give, I'll give Pete rock five. Okay. You know, but you know, I, I, I love, I love what Q-tip did. I love what large Professor does. I love what high tech does. Um, of course my, 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 little brother Lord finesse Lord finesse is one of the, is the only East coast producer to produce a track for Dr. Dre. People forget that. Um, Scott
0: yeah, Scott Storch
1: Scott of course Scott, I mean Scott, but he
0: produced for Dre he did and he's from yeah Philly yeah, I stand corrected R-
1: no yeah. doubt yeah. Scott's a little later but Finesse yeah, yeah. was on that second album yeah 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 but um yeah yeah T you know those are some of the producers what about RZA know. I thought you were gonna say RZA I love RZA okay but he's not in my top five he's in my top ten okay I, the I bring up RZA
0: specifically because he created his own
1: sound, no doubt. Which
0: Timberland did, Pharrell did. Right. You'll know right away. It's a, and I, to me, as a producer, to create your own sound, which Dre absolutely does. Yeah, to me, that's a higher <coughs> achievement. Right. Right. Like the, those sort of guys, and you think we could map out a history of modern hip hop sound going from, you know, Dre to RZA to uh, Timbaland to Pharrell, right? right? Like, there was a time when those guys, like, controlled the radio, right? you know? Um, Not to give the radio too much props, but, like, you know, they they, they had a dominant— I mean, I feel like I remember times of, like, you know, you're in the club and a Timbaland record is on,
1: you get in the cab. What I love about RZA was he didn't give a fuck. Like, you know, it's going to be raw. Yeah. It's going, it's going to be right in your face. Dirty. You know what I mean? So RZA brought back that feeling. You
0: know what I mean? We've been in hip-hop for a long time, and that means that we've lost a lot of friends. And, like, you know, we recently we were talking about True Goy. Yes. From De La Soul. But there's been so many people, right? You had Big L on your first yeah, right. album. Punk, you know what mean? Pun. Big pun's pun. a, a friend. Lot, a, lot. a lot. All of us yeah. have said, you know, Biz Marquis. We could go On and on, on right. On and on. You know, I mean, like, how do you, how do you even feel? How do you process, like, this, being in hip-hop culture, like, a lot of people die at an untimely age. Like, how do you even
1: deal with that? Man, you know, just makes you aware of your own mortality. You know what I mean? You learn to appreciate, appreciate being here, to still, to still create, you know, to still, to still pursue your gene. Pursue your dreams, um, if you will, uh, not to, not and not to not to take take time for granted. You know what I mean. A lot of people are not here who should be here. You know, um, the people you name, Jay Diller, Jam Master Jay. Jam you know, Master it's a Jay. lot. You know, Prince Marky D. Um, you know, it's a lot. So, you it, know, it, it, with me specifically, it just taught me to appreciate every day you have here. And just don't take shit for granted. You know, every day is another day to do something great. If if you're striving for greatness,
0: yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. Um, it's hard. It's hard to think about how much grieving we've done. You know, and ha- right. and, and and it's not just violence.
1: Right. A lot of natural causes. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. Um, he- health
1: issues. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. Um, Your foundation, Digging in the Crates, DITC. um, Talk about that. What are you guys doing? Say it again? What are you doing? Currently?
1: Yeah, yeah. um, Everybody's doing their own thing. You know, um, I don't really have really much more to say. Everybody's doing their own thing. You know, uh, Finesse is DJing now. You know, he, he rhymes when he wants to rhyme. Oc doing his own thing. I think he put out some music not too long ago. Um, of course, Fat Joe is doing his thing. Um, Ag's doing his. Everybody's doing their own thing.
0: Showbiz and Ag had their first album was incredible. Yeah,
1: definitely. Runaway slave, classic. Uh, is it? What What happened? Like, why
0: did that not become a longer career from them? Like, is that I, I, industry? I can't answer.
1: I, I don't even know. I don't know. Both of our albums dropped on the same day, in fact. Runaway Slave and Stunts in Hip Hop. We were both under the Mercury umbrella. It's Mercury at the time. The Mercury Polygram has been absorbed by Universal. But none of our albums got the push it should have got. You know, um they're like cult status albums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, both both of our albums, um hip hop purists love them. Yeah. But um, at the time with PolyGram, they were more concerned with Hanson,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa M- M- Williams.
1: Oh my God, Ryan McKnight. You know Joe. But
0: a lot of people have said, right, all right, all right, right, right. right Joe, I remember Joe. Sure. I mean, a lot of people have said the music industry mm-hmm. is not good at fostering and aiding creativity.
1: To a certain extent. You know, but we, you know, we were just these little hip hop groups. You know what I mean? And we were signed to smaller labels. I was signed to Chemistry PWL, which was distributed by Mercury, Showbiz and AG. They were signed to Payday Records, which was the umbrella of London, which was a a, a subsidiary of PolyGram. So a lot of times, if you're a subsidiary, of course, the labels going a, a major label is going to focus their attention on the groups that the major labels signed. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? That's just the politics of it. But um, both great albums. What is your,
0: ask everybody, what is your superpower? That the that thing that you do better than other people that has led to your success? Because you've been doing this at a very high level for a my,
1: long, my long time. My ear for production. I think, I think that's it. You know, I, I have a formula and um, I have a sound. But um, I have range, you know. Musical um, range, correct. Um, Do the bus a bus doesn't sound like what I did for KRS One. That doesn't sound like what I did for Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah, that doesn't sound like what I did for Far Side. Far Side doesn't sound like what I did for for, um, Cypress Hills.
0: Because you can do anything, basically. I So you. So could you produce a Taylor Swift
1: record? Sure. No question. But I would still make it Diamond D. But I would incorporate some of her elements. Maybe bring her some live instrumentation. And just, you know, just 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 give her that, mm, you know, with the drums or whatever, or my arrangements. Um, You got to be a chameleon. You know what I mean? You know, I, one of my idols is Quincy Jones. Yes. You know, what what, what Quincy did with James Ingram and and uh, Patty Austin He didn't do for the Brother Johnsons. (laughs) What he did for the Brother Johnsons, he didn't do for Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay. So you're, some producers,
0: some producers are at the board twisting knobs. Right. And some producers are not. And they have the engineer to do that. Sure. And they talk about,
1: I want more of this, less of that. And they couldn't. Or they bring in musicians. Right, right. So which kind are you? I'm both. Okay. You know, I you know, I'll bring in a string section, you know, a bass player, guitar player, um, you know, Quincy Jones, um he you know, he, he he didn't program those drum machines, but he hired musicians. I want you to do this. You know, and he'll draw out the um the bass, the bass scale, tell the bass player this is what this, this is what I want you to play. Throw out the horn scale. The horn players, I want y'all to play this. So he's a producer and arranger. All the musicians are just hired help. And even though he's not physically banging on a drum machine or you know playing an instrument, he's still a producer. Yeah, of course. Yes, sir. So you, do, so you I could both. You could twist the knobs if you wanted to. But of course, that's what I do. But mostly right. you. So mostly you do or you don't? No, I, I, I do, I do, I do. But like I said, if if I'm producing something and it needs some more instrumentation to make the track sound bigger, then I will incorporate some live musicianship. And that's everything on, on, on my new album, The Rear View. You hear a lot of that. It's not just everything on the MPC, you know. Um, that you, you limit yourself, sonically. You know what I mean? So um, that's one of the things I picked up along my journey.
0: Such an honor to do that interview. Thank you for listening. Toré Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Toré and on Instagram at Toré Show. Toré Show is written by me, Toré, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington, and Nick Karp. Our bookers, Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next week with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick...